Mom, I got the job in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom, an official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job. Not everything is as simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it, kbb.com it. Also, what was the second callback at the very end? Oh, MLK. They're like, and the greatest thing about MLK is that that speech was one of the greatest TV moments of all time. Well, so oh my God. I, was saying this, I will say this. My vision of how the Emmys were orchestrated was they got the date and they were like, okay, so we now need to orchestrate backwards from this clip. Like, that was the starting point. Oh, but and like, but also, point. also, get it done early. Ending the show with a clip of I Had a Dream and the hook being the TV Academy decided this was one of the greatest moments in TV history. And the fact that they showed it then twice because they showed it once during that montage and then at the end of the show, and which diminishes. They, they, they referenced 9-11 and then showed the 9-11 clip. Yeah. Like, they say the 9-11 was one of the other great yeah. moments. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which actually was my thesis thesis, but. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> prove it out. <laughs> And we're back. I'm here with Kendra. I'm here with Hallie. I'm here with Brian. It's true. Hi. Sarah's in the shadows and off mic today. <laughs> Literally just a white face kind of just like shining through. Yeah, she's... <laughs> yeah. It's a really good lighting for you, actually. It is, yeah. She's, so Sarah's in, the, she's in all black. She's yeah. Babadook. <laughs> yeah. Sarah's doing what we call Babadooking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing face. I'm seeing ankle. And it's working. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see um, uh, that movie where Nicolas Cage is in your dreams? No, but oh, I want no. to. Oh, yeah, me too. He emerges from a, he does a kind of Lazarus-like appearance in the shadows. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. What a weekday. The Emmys started off right on Monday evening with the appearance of a terrifying goblin. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> re- if you're hearing this podcast, okay. The... <laughs> But the way that the goblin waves like a gay boy, mm-hmm. like it's just a gay wave. I love the gay wave. Do we know which queen that was? I was wondering when they were on stage. We do. I believe it was Princess Poppy. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Everyone um, should be doing this at the Emmys. Yeah. Everyone should be in costume like this. It's fun. Uh, I like it that she has a handbag, but her fingers are also a mile long. So it's, like, <laughs> it's not like she could open it. <laughs> um, anyway, the appearance of the Emmys goblin does mean there will be six more weeks of Ricky Gervais. Uh After winning winning for her performance in White Lotus, Jennifer Coolidge oddly decided to thank the infamous murderers Leopold and Loeb. I want to thank all the evil gays. You know, I just really, really. You're welcome, whispered Ezra Miller from deep within their fortified compound. Throughout the evening, host Anthony Anderson had his mom play off any winners whose acceptance speeches ran too long. I know I'm getting wrapped it up. Okay, yes. Okay, baby. And, um, yes, and um, I, I just. I love you, baby. But time. Okay. Guess what? Guess what? One more thing. I love, I love you, you too. I just want to say one thing. Okay. Um, okay. One, one thing. last thing. <laughs> this. <laughs> Kendra thoughts. This is how. This is literally how Scientology has tried to get me because I can't be rude to an old black woman, and so whenever I've. They've tried to recruit me. It's been an old black lady because if I was in that position, I wouldn't have said any word after she said, baby. I would have just said, yes, ma'am, and walked off stage. It was a long walk to make that about you. <laughs> so where are you at in Scientology at this point? 
Yeah, I'm has... not there. They've tried. Though. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna get brunch at that place. Really? Yeah. Really? The is it or not the good? But, uh... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's good, and it's like, apparently like pretty cheap. At the oh. green building or the blue building? I don't know. I'll go to both. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Did the mom, as playoff music, did it work? It was a little awkward, and it sounded. It seemed like after this one, there was a long break before they had her do it again, and I wondered if they just realized it was not going to play super well throughout the whole thing. They should have just done this and had it be one and then cut it. Yeah, I was actually impressed by how... It didn't work that well, but I was impressed that she felt like empowered to actually interrupt yeah, and like make, her, make herself she a scene. A the thing about that is, so I I forget what sponsorship Anthony Anderson has. He has so many. She is in commercials with him a bunch, and it's I've always thought that she was an actress because I was like, his mom is not in these commercials. No, she's just on. She's in commercials with him. She's on like whatever Fox game show that he hosts with him too. So this woman is working. She's having like a. I don't know, like some sort of renaissance. What's a reverse Nepo baby when your child is more famous and you get <laughs> to ride their coat rooms? A Nepo yeah. mommy. A Nepo, a Nepo mommy. mommy. Yeah, like a Nepo. Justin Bieber's dad. A Nepo daddy. Mm-hmm. Nice. Taking home a Best Supporting Actress Emmy for Dahmer, Nisi Nash gave the exact speech I would deliver if I ever won an award. And you know who I want to thank? I want to thank me. <laughs> for believing in me doing what they said I could not do. And I want to say to myself in front of all you beautiful people, go on, girl, with your bad self. You did that. This is going to become the most insufferable TikTok uh, sound cue, or whatever you call it, lip sync thing. All these people are going to take it and just, you know, after you get an A on your test. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'll enjoy seeing them. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Uh, She also went on to say, I want to thank the big guy who made all this possible. You know who I'm talking about. Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) Roy Wood Jr. mouthed the phrase, please hire a host over and over again during Trevor Noah's Daily Show acceptance speech. Here's the thing of it. Hey, John Stewart, where are you all, my friend? (laughs) Slow. He's enunciating. Sadly, the one person who still works at Comedy Central was not watching the Emmys, but was instead loading up this week's office reruns. <laughs> Kieran Culkin used his succession acceptance speech to ask his wife for more children. And of course, my beautiful wife, Jazz. Um, thank you for sharing your life with me and for giving me two amazing kids. Uh, Zisu and Wilderwolf, I love you so many and so much. And Jazz, I want more. <laughs> you said, you said maybe if I win. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you. First of all, <laughs> we all know that Culkins reproduce asexually. Mm-hmm. But also, what does it mean to say I love you so many and so much? That's just a nice thing you say to your kids. It's like I love you 3,000 from... Uh, from uh, that really hung you up more than Azizu and Wilder Wolf, the name also of his Wilder Wolf. <laughs> I didn't... I don't <laughs> clock Hollywood celebrity <laughs> names. It's just, yes, white <laughs> What were the names? To, Az- to want a third after Azizu and Wilder Wolf, where do you go? Those are the names? Yeah. yeah Azizu and Wilder Wolf? Wilder yeah. Wolf. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, number three has to be Wildest. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Eben Moss Backrack smooched Maddie Matheson as soon as he started his acceptance speech for the bear. I just want to thank restaurants as a whole, hospitality as a whole. 
I love you, Evan. Despite the length, redeeming this kiss. Straight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everyone's favorite comedy, the bear. I like the bear. I think the bear is awesome because it's such a great comedy. And this was for season one of the bear, which was even sadder than season two of the bear. (laughs) Right. Because these are these are last year's Emmys. Yeah. This makes no sense. I don't think the bear deserved to sweep. I don't think beef deserved to sweep. I think succession deserved to sweep. And that's my only hot take. I you know, what's funny because we did you do. Brian organizes the crooked Emmy pool. It's true. Less fewer and fewer people every year. Well, that's a bummer. Why do you think that is? Not for lack of trying. All the, I watch is literally horror movies. I don't watch TV. I, do I don't have time. I if I had re- I didn't realize I thought this was for the second season of The Bear. Mm-hmm. So, well, because the Globes, which were before this, were for the second season. So oh. that's oh. why I, I did poorly because I thought oh, that Barry was going to recognize. Yeah, I thought they were going to do more to recognize Barry's last season, because. But is this for Barry's last season? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize it was the first time they got a shot at the Bear. I thought this was. I thought this was the Bear in the middle. I think it's unfair because I think it's the bear riding off season two's coattails. Like it's bear season right. one yeah. getting credit for right. bear season two being still good. Right. It's almost like these awards are all kind of made up and it's just like the PR people. Shh, shh. Oh. Did well, we all go- know that Bill Hader and Ali Wong were dating? I yeah. don't like watching them kiss. I'll say that. Oh, they kiss. Yeah. I'd watch that. But you can. <laughs> the hell am I doing <laughs> talking to you people? One of the night's biggest winners was Netflix's Beef, which dominated the limited series category with wins for both Steven Yun and Ali Wong. Beef, it's what's for winner. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. How can Envy be a motivating force that inspires people? I don't know. I mean, Maybe look at look at Elon Musk. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> Envy makes the world go round. Envy and FOMO. That's basically it. That's a ba- yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, Half, that's capitalism. <laughs> Envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, Ooh. inspiring the world to raise the bar. Okay. And Angel's Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. Oh, I was wondering where we were going with this. Angel's Envy bends the traditional rules of whiskey. It's a little different from all other bourbons out there. This bourbon makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Angel's Envy are the pioneers of secondary finishing in bourbon and one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. With its unique bottle design, Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart too. Look for Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024 Angel's Envy bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home. On top of the wide variety of houseplants available, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Mike Pence should have gotten one of those after the election day. (laughs) 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 The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape designs, and how best to take care of your plants. The point is, I may not have a green thumb, but that's why Fast Growing Trees is perfect for me because it makes it so easy. 
Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LOVEIT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code LOVEIT at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code LOVEIT. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. Reclaim your time now that you can listen to four weekly ads-free episodes across Pod Save America and Pod Save the World. There's never been a better time to join Cricket's Friend of the Pod subscription community. The marketing people say that listening ads-free saves you up to two hours of ad listening each month. Imagine the possibilities. You know what you can do with two extra hours a week? You can listen, listen to, to two- more podcasts. Exactly. Ah, two more episodes. Yeah. That's two more episodes. Yeah. Get more stuff in your brain. Yeah. Get more stuff in that more brain. stuff and content in there like, yeah, uh, like you're a foie gras goose. <laughs> Become a member today. Go to crooked.com slash friends now to learn more. Of course, Los Angeles wasn't the only place celebrating TV stars of yesteryear. In Iowa, Republicans braved record freezing temperatures to say with resounding certainty, yeah, we're terrible. Donald Trump won the caucuses with 51%, followed by Ron DeSantis at 21%, and right behind him, Nikki Haley at 19%. Probably the best way to have Nikki Haley right behind you, the worst way being a week after you watched the Ring video. A <laughs> terrible day for America, sure, but on the bright side, it was a terrible day for Ron DeSantis. The results were so emphatic, the Associated Press called the caucus after the doors closed, but before the caucuses were finished, which meant Iowans could see on their phone that Trump won before getting a chance to vote. Other outlets followed quickly behind. Look, I, I actually like like the DeSantis people went nuts over this, and I, I am sympathetic. Like, you shouldn't call elections while people are still voting. It's just obnoxious, and it's not. It's not like it's actually news because it's still just a prediction, right? Like, it's not like it's not. I you know, news outlets don't have to be. There's no obligation to kind of not get ahead of a voter. There's no like, if you know something, you know something. And it's one thing to, to allow for results to start coming in, right? Like if, you know, if if polling places are closed, like like in Florida, there were in 2000, it was actually a deal that they called it when parts of the panhandle were still able to vote. Um, I don't have a problem with the results coming in because those are actual facts. Those are actual objective bits of data coming in. But Calling an election based on a prediction isn't a scoop. It's a weather report. You know, it's just it's getting ahead of it. Um, The AP defended their decision, saying early analysis of their large voter survey and the turnout in eight key precincts showed Trump had an insurmountable lead. But that's sort of like beside the point. Like, yeah, like you can lean down and tell a kid that the Globetrotters are going to beat the Washington generals before the tip off. You're right. But that doesn't make it journalism. You know what I mean? It's comedically hilarious, but you are morally correct, I think. You don't, the Globetrotters, that does nothing for you. I'm so imagining you starting a fire. <laughs> and now you're talking about basketball and I don't even know you anymore. You knew basketball, though. Uh, slam dunk. <laughs> what? I, I, slam dunk. I, dribble. to write, dribble, dribble. To, to compose this wonderful set of sentences, I couldn't remember what it was called when a basketball game begins. And I knew it wasn't a kickoff. No. It's t- you said you said tip off. Yeah, it's yeah, tip yeah. off because okay. they they put it up high in the air and you tip it. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want it anymore. <laughs> you, I think you're supposed to get it back to your people. Yeah, just to tip it back to your people, <laughs> right, Milo? <laughs> um, wait, going back to Iowa, which we were talking about, uh, <laughs> it it doesn't affect 
the outcome, like Trump would have won no matter what, but it does affect the results. If, if any, because I'd be like, it is cold. Leave. I am tired. I do want to go home. Ultimately, especially in a contest like this, it doesn't matter, but it does affect the actual, like, statistics of the election yeah yeah if something feels inevitable then it be kind of becomes inevitable in in the voters minds because then they they will leave like brian is saying first of all iowa caucus goers showing up in one of the coldest winters they've ever had to caucus for donald trump are people that i would say have a healthy skepticism of the media and they're sitting there. They've made like they've made this trek. They're participating in the process. It's what they should be doing. And they get an alert on their phones in the room like they're about to do this thing that's going to take an hour. It could take a long time that says it's over. It's like so insulting. And like, obviously, fuck these fuck these people. They can freeze their balls off. But like but if this was like the reverse situation and it was a competitive, it was a like it was a. It was a Democratic presidential primary. It wasn't competitive in this state, but there were real opponents, right? Whatever that equivalent would be. Like, we would be so frustrated if, let's say, it was we were in a situation where Warren and Bernie were challenging Joe Biden right now and each were doing much worse than him. And they called it for Biden before people had a chance to actually caucus. We would be fucking rib shit and we would be right to be because it's so obnoxious. It's just like so disrespectful to the people that are actually participating in the process. And like they can claim all they want, like, oh, they knew they know. Fine. Sure. It's actually not. The the results are the results, like even the way we digest actual results is silly. Like, you know, they do like trickling in from this county and this county and the needle moves back and forth. And it looks like this person's going to win. It's going to look like that person's going to win. There is an answer. They will be counted. 100% of the results will be counted. And then we will have the answer. And that is the only that is the only important actual bit of news, like who actually won this contest. And your ability to use data science to predict the outcome is like it's a magic trick, but it's not actual journalism. And I, I don't begrudge them for doing it. I'm glad that right after, you know, the polls close, they can give us a sense of what's going to happen, which is all they're doing, giving us a sense. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Unless they do it before the actual gathering of the facts is done, like the experiment is still running. You know, you can't you can't give you can you can say you think the vaccine is going to work, but you don't get to put it out into the world until you've actually done the test. Do you know, was it Arizona that Fox called that Trump got really upset about in the last election? Yes. I remember when that happened, there was a bunch of reporting about how logistically that decision got made, like who who actually are the decision makers that call things early. Do you have a sense of like, is it like one guy at the AP that does this or like, did they know in advance if this was going to be a landslide that they were going to call it as soon as humanly possible? Or was that a game time decision? Do you have any idea? I don't know how they decided. I don't understand. I don't know how they decided that they were not going to wait for the caucuses to be done. Like caucuses are a strange and unique form of voting. Normally, you know, they wait there. It is their policy now. It wasn't always right. It was, a you know, there are the the kind of like generational arguing over Bush v. Gore and what actually happened uh, continues. Right. Like there there are Bush people who claim to this day that when Florida was called, when most of the state had closed, but the panhandle, which was very pro Bush, was still voting 
that when they had called it for Gore, it caused people to stay home, which more than it made up for the 500 votes. Like there there's the there's the oh, the Supreme Court shut it down argument around Bush v. Gore. But then there's the kind of under argument, which is like, well, the Pat Buchanan votes from the butterfly ballots mean that Gore really should have won. And then the Bush people say, but the panhandle people would have shown up for Bush, but the media called it for Gore. So Gore. So so Bush would have won. Anyway, I am sure what the AP had was a model that would predict what the overall vote total would be based on what happened in a few key precincts. Those precincts came in. Those tracked with what their models expected. That meant that it was a certainty that Donald Trump was going to win by double digits at the very least. And so they felt like they were in a position to call it. When 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 Fox News called Arizona, the Trump people were completely correct to be pissed. That was a very daring call. And it is by the skin of their teeth that their prediction bore out. But the logic of their prediction does not hold up. They they kind of they didn't walk it back. They stood by it. But I think it's clear like mm, that was like a incredibly aggressive call. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think they have groups of people watching to see they, have, they they say like, all right, these are bellwether places, right? They can probably, you can look at a map and say, all right, in the past few elections, the margin in this county has mirrored the state. The margin in this county has uh, been um, what the state ultimately did, minus seven, plus five, whatever. And if you get enough of those data points where the map on the whole is shaping up to be have a distribution that looks like what they expected... And then in those key counties, they're getting results that mirror a certain, you know, uh, uh, margin of victory. As more of those places come in, the more and more it is all but impossible that the state as a whole is doing differently than what they expected. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, I'm laughing either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were saying that like it's also like the the trick that Trump has pulled is convincing people that winning Iowa with 51% is a strong showing for an incumbent president. When you know, we talked about this last night on the Pots America show, like as Dan pointed out, virtually everyone that voted last night in the Iowa caucuses are people who voted for Trump once or twice before, maybe in primaries as well. But basically, a bunch of people that have voted for Trump for president showed up and about half of them decided to go in another direction. Uh, if this was Joe Biden in that situation, we would call him extraordinarily weak. Donald Trump is getting the benefits of incumbency um, and also the benefits of being a challenger. He's he's getting all the political benefits uh, of the inevitability of having been the incumbent and the name ID and the and the um, the, the institutional support. But he's also getting the expectations of a challenger in terms of his vote totals. So when he wins by 50, everyone says that's amazing. When in reality, if this was, uh, uh, if he had just, if he, if, if he wasn't just the president, when in reality, if he was the current sitting president getting those, getting those results, you'd say, oh, wow, like this is the weakest, uh, incumbent president we've, we've ever seen since, you know, since, since Kennedy challenged Carter. In his victory speech, Trump issued this statement of unity. It would be so nice if we could 
come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. It's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And it's practically never been like this. Just seems like something you'd scream in a panic after <laughs> clogging a friend's toilet during a party. <laughs> it's practically never been like this. It's just words. It's just nonsense words. Trump also acknowledged his rivals, DeSantis and Haley. I congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh... whenever Trump is gracious like this, <laughs> he has the energy of a kid on a diving board saying, Mom, watch. You know, like he just can't. Look, look what I'm doing. I'm being so nice. <laughs> I'm being so nice to them. Once the votes were tallied, Ron DeSantis came in a distant second to Trump, lagging by 30 points with Nikki Haley bringing in third. To be fair to Ron, it's hard to catch up when you're running in heels. DeSantis <laughs> told his supporters at his Iowa campaign. Uh, DeSantis told his supporters at his Iowa campaign event. They threw everything but oh the kitchen God. sink at us. They spent almost 50 million dollars attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. Classic Ron DeSantis. He has his one moment to be on the national stage. He speaks for four minutes, spends most of it attacking the media, does not mention Trump, does not include any campaign message whatsoever, does some dumb we got our ticket punch bullshit that means nothing, delivers the whole thing in a nasally monotone and fucks off. Just an absolute world-class loser. What a fucking loser. Ticket punch sounds like it's, a sex thing. It's so it's so straight. I'm trying to get my ticket punch, yeah, you know? Hey, let's go out and let's go out later, see if yeah. we can get our ticket punched. Yeah. Ew. Got it's a riddled ticket. It's also like the media said, like, it's such a um it's such a politician's um like way of dealing with a loss like this because the media said we wouldn't get our ticket punched out of Iowa. Well, they were wrong. We did get our ticket punched. And it's like, no, the media said that you and your campaign are an abject failure. They did write your obituary. They were correct. <laughs> yeah. You were dead. You're dead now. You are six sensing this thing. You've been dead the whole fucking time. And then it's like, oh, we got we got our ticket punched. What do you mean? Like, it doesn't mean anything. Like, you're going to keep going. That's what you're saying. You're saying, I don't have to drop out. But that's a decision you make. You're deciding you can handle more of this indignity. No one's stopping you from continuing to run. You have to make that choice yourself. You have to decide how much more of this you can take. It just so, it speaks to how hollow everything he's ever done is, is that, like, within your own state, you spent the last however many years, like, railing about like the woke mind virus and like 
interfering with like AP African American history, and then you have a platform, and he's like, you know, they're just out here hating Ron. And it's like, oh right, you don't actually give a fuck about any of that stuff you're doing. And now that you are in this place, we realize like actually nobody like on the world on the national stage, it's not compelling. You have nothing because that's all you had. Yeah, it's um uh let let's it's good to compare it actually to Nikki Haley's speech because. Nikki Haley actually, I think, had a message. She has a real message. Let's watch it. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. No, 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 shouted Ron DeSantis, rising up out of a pudding bath like a Harkonnen. (laughs) Uh, Trump must have been absolutely ripshit that he listened to his goon advisors and showed grace towards Haley because... She did not return the favor. And the question before Americans is now very clear. Do you want more of the same? Or do you want a new generation of conservative leadership? The question is clear. Do you want this old bucket of pig slop or this brand new bucket of pig slop? (laughs) But then Haley went on to say this. But when I say more of the same, you know what I'm talking about. It's both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They have more in common than you think. 70% of Americans don't want another Trump-Biden rematch. majority disprove of both of them. They both have referred to the whole pronoun situation. They both have elaborate hair rituals they will die before being able to even joke about. They both say, now that was an actress about women who have been dead for 50 years. (laughs) Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight presidential elections. That's nothing to be proud of. We should want to earn the support of a majority of Americans. I think it's cool that Nikki Haley waited until she lost Iowa by 30 points to start talking this way. Every week she gets bolder as her candidacy becomes even less plausible. (laughs) All the evidence says that if it's a Trump-Biden rematch, it's going to be another toss-up election. It could go either way. We could have more disputes over election interference. And Joe Biden could win again. With Kamala Harris waiting in the wings. <laughs> Lord help us if that happens. <laughs> the joke's on Haley. Kamala wasn't even watching. Too close to breaking her high score on that skee-ball machine. <laughs> and now it's on to New Hampshire. There's a debate scheduled, but with Haley's whole message being about Ron DeSantis being a dead fucking nerd ghost, she is refusing to debate anyone but Trump, saying we've had five great debates in this campaign. Unfortunately, Trump has ducked all of them. He has nowhere left to hide. The next debate I do will either be with Donald Trump or with Joe Biden. DeSantis replied in the most DeSantis way possible, saying, I won't snub New Hampshire voters like both Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. I plan to honor my commitments. I look forward to debating two empty podiums in the Granite State this week. Even his threats are the most pathetic thing you've ever heard. 
I look forward to debating two empty podiums. It'll be like I'm back at Harvard and the debate club van left me behind because no one would stand a chance, I assume. <laughs> I never thought Ron DeSantis would pull me into his corner, but I'm a single-issue voter, and my issue is getting to watch Ron DeSantis lose to two empty podiums. <laughs> Said the two podiums, oh no, wish we could, super busy. Let's definitely hang soon, though. XOXOXO. Did you, um, did you yesterday, I think it was Eric Trump that said uh, during Trump's presidency there was world peace? Yes, there were no or there were no wars no and there wars. was world peace. That was the one I heard. I really liked that. That's funny. It's cool. Yeah, it ended with a, a an insurrection. There were people dying at the Capitol. We were actively at war his entire presidency. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he killed an Iranian general from um, in the middle of the day. We got stuck in our houses for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. It was a real. There was violence uh, in the streets. Literally. Yeah. yeah they um. They uh. Use tear gas in Lafayette Square, remember? Yeah. God, yeah. World peace. We do. I do think it's like the, the, um, like to Hallie's point that like, oh, you know, Ron DeSantis did this woke stuff for a long time. Like Ron DeSantis did well among abortion voters, right? Like clearly there's some group of like kind of social issue voters that Ron DeSantis is making his case against. But the, the, like the majority of, the majority of people who voted in the Iowa caucus believe Donald Trump won the election. Um, the majority of them want an abortion ban. You know, they're just like it's a right wing group of people. But even among Iowa caucus goers, a big chunk, I think it was like 32 percent, said that if Donald Trump is convicted, he will be unfit to be president now they probably also believe Joe Biden is unfit and faced with two unfit options. I assume that they would show up for Donald Trump, but like the fact that he's getting 51% as the incumbent, the fact that there are these convictions potentially hanging over him, my main, we talked about this a bit on Pot Save America yesterday, but like my main takeaway from the Iowa caucus is obviously as nervous and engaged Democrats, we are very well, we are, we are as nervous, Obviously, as nervous and engaged Democrats, we are well aware of the weaknesses Joe Biden brings into the 2024 election, uh, the ways in which he is not as strong going into this race as he was going into 2020. He is older. Uh, there are a lot of people dissatisfied with his um, with the results of his administration. There's a lot of people that don't know what he achieved. There's a lot of people that are just in general uh, frustrated by the direction of the country, by the economy, what have you. But at the same time, I think last night was ultimately about Donald Trump's potential weaknesses that are less explored and less clear to voters, that there are polls that have now shown that less engaged independent voters do not yet even truly accept that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee there is a huge percentage of the American people that have told posters, not just independents and Democrats, but Republicans, that a president, that a presidential candidate being convicted of a crime makes that makes them unacceptable. And so the open question now is how much weaker will Donald Trump be? And, um, you know, I would say, um, I hope I hope uh, I hope weak, you know, I'm rooting for weak. Do you think the turnout was a weather thing? 
Because I don't. Because if if it is Trump versus Biden, and it will be Trump versus Biden, and Democrats aren't enthusiastic, and this was any like indicator of like Republican enthusiasm, is they're just going to be like four people in Wisconsin? I think they were making a big deal out. out of the weather, but then also it was that this is kind of not normal, but this is a little bit status quo for this area. Right. It wasn't. They've come out and they've come out in weather like this before. So turnout was down more than fifty percent. Or turnout was down, what, roughly, let's say, 50 percent from what it was in 2016. But that was a more competitive caucus. I think that reading into the turnout is probably um, uh, um, um, a little rosy because it was incredibly cold. All the reporting made it very clear that Donald Trump was going to win and win by a lot. All that reporting was accurate. Um, But it does mean that. It doesn't necessarily show weakness but it does mean like there wasn't a surprising amount of strength right like there wasn't a sudden surge there wasn't there wasn't a great turnout despite the fact that it seemed like a foregone conclusion and it was very cold so like is it a reason to be optimistic no but is it a reason to not be pessimistic sure how about that okay and and that's it for uh, this episode of what a weekday Kendra, Hallie, Brian, the Babadook in the shadows, Sarah, (laughs) thank you for being here. And uh, we'll see you sluts on Saturday. Bye, sluts. Go, Bills. doom scrolling don't forget to follow us at crooked media on instagram and twitter you can also find love it or leave it on youtube for access to your favorite segments and other exclusive content and if you're as opinionated as we are consider dropping us a review finally you can join our friends of the pod subscription community for ad-free episodes exclusive content and a great discussion on discord plus it's a great way to get involved with vote save america so sign up today at crooked.com slash friends Love It or Leave It is a Cricket Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our executive producer. Brian Semmel is our producer. And Malcolm Whitfield is our associate producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Coffin, Peter Miller, Alan Pierre, Will Miles, and Mohanad Alshaki are our writers. Evan Sutton is our editor. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis provide audio support. On the road, Vendelin Von Schroeder is our tour manager. Stephen Cologne is our audio engineer. And Milo Kim is our videographer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Bernardo Serena for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Zuri Irvin, David Tolls, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can. It's love it or leave it. Whispered Ezra Miller from deep within his fortified compound. You're welcome. Their, Their fortified, fortified compound. compound. I, I didn't write the joke. That's my bad. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Let's do I it think again. we played it perfectly. That was funny. <laughs> just use that. Should we just leave it? Yeah. yeah. Fuck.